Hello, everyone from the bunker. My name is Marjani Rawls. I am your host on these pandemic talks. Uh, I initially did a project kind of late into the year where I did a survey on questions on how people were doing during these uncertain times. And I thought that I would turn this into a podcast podcast form where we just shoot it all, shoot the shit, and just kind of be real on how everything is felt. And it just so happens that today, a lot of people are marked as the first anniversary where we went into semi-lockdown, I'll say, with uh, the U.S. I am pleased to give the floor to my very best friend and good guy, Ken Grandpierre. Ken, how are you feeling? How, you know, yeah, how are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing okay. Today is a good day. Um, it's one of those things where I think, like, you know, naturally we go very up and down with this whole, like, continuous pandemic. But I think we have reached a point where it's like, you know, I, I hate that whole phrase, new normal. I was telling you that earlier. Like, I really hate when people say that. But I think it resonates with so many people because there's a truth to it where as humans, we just adapt. So, yeah, I feel good today. Today's a good one. Can you believe it's already been a year? A year since we returned to our homes and never came out again? Well, some of us. Some of us have gone on like um, <laughs> nothing has ever happened. But um, I wanted to start talking about, you know, going back a year ago. So when New York went in lockdown, where were you? When did it hit you that things were going to change and how serious this was? That's a really good question. And I remember it so vividly. Um, So uh, it's actually very interesting because the top of 2020, like January, I remember thinking to myself, like, I really wanted this to be a year where like I worked a little less in the context of like, you know, my freelancing and my photography. And like, I really wanted to just, you know, have more leisure time and I wanted to travel, but travel, like I've, I've been fortunate where I traveled, I have traveled a lot in my life, but in 2020, I wanted to travel more to see friends and not have it tied to work. So that was the idea. And in February, I was in Amsterdam for a mixture of a gig and seeing some friends I hadn't seen in a while. And this was like at the tail end of February. So the pandemic had started already, but you know, by at that time, it was just really in the news and it wasn't really anything that was like in the public consciousness. So I remember I came back from Amsterdam and I was working at a design studio in uh, Manhattan. And this is like so vivid to me still because it was the week of March 13th. And I remember because the 13th that year was a Friday. And I remember over the course of that week, my coworkers were working more and more from home. Like, you know, it started out like on Monday where there's like 30 people in the office. And by Friday, there's like two. And I was one of the two. And the way I knew the pandemic was going to be a big impact on us is I vividly remember going into it. Because, I mean, I'm I'm generally the type of person that when people are freaking out about things on the news, like collectively, I tend to be that type of person who's like, you know, let's step back a little bit before we like go all crazy. Like, you know, things are probably not as bad as they are. So I remember at that time, I was like very anti um, being an alarmist. I was like, oh, you know, everything's going to be fine, whatever. And then I remember waking up that morning, going to work and like the walk between the subway and like the office. It was just like weird seeing uh, not many people out and about like at 8 a.m. when typically, you know, in Manhattan, it's like teeming with people. And I was supposed to go to a gig that night. 
And I remember being at work and between eight to noon, I was just like following the news and like looking out the window because it was like on the fifth floor and seeing less people throughout the day. And then the combination of all that it just compounded where I was like, wow, I think something is really off and weird. And I remember going home like early, like I left work early at noon. And yeah, it was by then it was like kind of like, like everyone kind of knew lockdowns were about to come. And, you know, just talking to like my girlfriend and like friends around, it was just like, wow, like things are really fucking different. Like, and it was just over the course of a morning and an afternoon. Like to me, it was very much like, you know, everything's normal. And then it's just very much the world kind of knocking like, no, it's not. So, yeah, that was a really weird experience. And over the course of that weekend was when, you know, the lockdowns were announced and, you know, all the stores were closed. And, yeah, it's it's been a weird one. Yeah, man. For me, I think it hit me where, like you said, like in February, it felt so distant. Like it was just like, oh, that's happening in other countries. It's happening in China. It's happening in Europe. Uh, And, of course, given certain political standings we were assured that you know it it was only a few cases that it wasn't you know it was going to go away because if you i mean if you know like from the past like ebola and stuff like that we were able to kind of catch it and then like contain it well for me it was you know at work where all of a sudden like work from home plans started and then people started cycling off the office and like oh shit like you know what i mean like this is what? Like, we're going to start working from home. And then I think um, I went to go see the movie, uh, The Hunt, that day before movies had, like, shut down. And it still felt like a ghost town. I think it was, like, me and, like, two other people in there. And, it and, like, I watched the movie and it was cool, but I felt some sort of finality. Like, I'm like, oh, man, like, I don't know if, I don't know when I'm going to come back here. <laughs> I was like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, maybe it'll be a couple months and and then we'll be fine. And then when I came home, it was like maybe like 3 p.m. And I saw like all the cars in the driveway and normally or in the parking spots. And it was weird because like you never like everybody's usually out. Kids are at school. um, Like everybody's at work, but everybody was home. And I'm like, oh, this is different. And then, you know, the news of, you know, cases started piling up. And, like, we live in the tri-state area where we got hit the hardest. So, like, it just escalated from there, there, and there. And, of course, you have, like, grocery stores. You know, they one in, one out. That was different. Like, it was like, really? Like, uh, and then the mask thing. It was, it was kind of jarring. Uh, I was wondering, like, in the first couple months... How did, how did it feel mentally for you? The fact that you, first of all, this was a very new experience for us. And did you think that it was going to be over by the summer? Um, how did it mess with you to the point where like you couldn't go as free as you wanted to? It did, actually. Yeah, because, you know, I think some people might perceive this as privilege, but I, I mean, I personally don't. But up until that point, I very much had built my adult life in a way where I was capable of doing the things I wanted to do and going to the places I wanted to go to with, you know, quite little thought. So in the context of just like how I work and the money that I've made, I built my adult life in a way where I could just go places. And that was a very important aspect of my life, like very crucial. So in the context of the pandemic, like that 
really sent me for a loop because naturally, you know, you can't travel places. And like, for me, that was just like, I really do like feed off being in different environments and being around different people and meeting new people. So when the pandemic started, I did find myself kind of foolishly thinking like, oh, maybe this will last for like a couple of weeks or a month. And I think a lot of that was just like, you know, the defense mechanism of my brain thinking like, okay, if you think about the short term, then maybe you won't have to get like depressed thinking about in the long term. But I say that and something I'm grateful for is that something that I thought of within that first weekend and I still carry with me today, like this thought is that okay we're in this thing this weird pandemic we're logistically there's not going to be a day where on the news they're going to say the pandemic's over like I, I thought about what that would look like and just think about how humans are and how our societies are and i was just like wow you know we're in this thing now and all of us are going to come out of it at different points in time there's not going to be a day on the news where it's going to be like pandemic's over. So, <laughs> so yeah, you know what I mean? Like just that Schools thought. Out, of, everybody. Yeah. Like it's just, it's not going to happen. So I had that thought within the first week and I thought with, and what I found within that thought was that, okay, it's up to me then to consider how I protect myself, how I protect, you know, the people around me and how I conduct myself until I have, you know, the the information that allows me to believe that things have lessened. So that's funny enough still where I am now. I like to, like, when I talk to friends and I catch up with them, I like to say that, you know, even though I've relaxed a fair bit and I go out here and there and, like, you know, I have I have a dog, so I walk a dog a bit. And um, sometimes I do outdoor dining once in a while. But, like, for the most part, my mentality is still in March of 2020, where it's, like, I still see it as, like, you know, you could catch this illness at any moment. You very much have to be so diligent. But um, yeah, it's been tough, man. Like, I mean, a good example, too, because you asked about, you know, the aspect of uh, how it's been, you know, not be able to go places. I didn't travel all of last year except Amsterdam and going back to England uh, for Christmas. My, my girlfriend's family is from England and I grew up in England a bit. So like my Christmases are usually centered around going back there. And we went there last year, you know, to see a family and we were so diligent about, you know, quarantining and like not interacting with people that something I didn't consider is how because those trips are always so tied to people that having that extracted to such a severe degree, it even feel like we were there. Like we saw family and stuff and we did like, you know, drive around a bit here and there. But like, yeah, it just it was such a stark contrast to how we normally operate when we travel there. So, yeah, that was a weird experience that I don't think I could have mentally prepared for. Like, you know, you sit, you go to an airport, you sit on a plane for like eight or so hours and then you get out in a different country. And then because of the situation, you don't even feel like you are in a different country. Like it's, a, it's just a weird it's a really weird thing to experience. Yeah, I, I mean, as a music photographer, I mean, obviously there hasn't been shows for like a year. Um, has that has the pandemic kind of like built up an itch in you to get back in the live shows? Because I, I mean, we both do photography, right? And I do miss. I think I miss the atmosphere the most, and not necessarily the music. Like, of course, I love music, and I've been listening to music more in quarantine. But I miss the atmosphere. I miss the electricity. I miss kind of like seeing my friends in the photo pit. That's always good. And not having that has been weird. And it's just like with how this virus spreads, you're always thinking of like, you know, if you look at videos from like stadiums and festivals and now like uh, festivals are announcing lineups for the fall, you're like, how does that even how do we even go back like go back to that just like that without second guessing everything? 
No, that's a that's a really good question, a really good point. Um, I feel the exact same way in the context of the atmosphere because, you know, funnily enough, and this is definitely like, you know, I can't believe I'm about to say this because it definitely took, it's taken me such a long time to get to this point. But in terms of the actual, like, logistics and the actual practicality of, like, taking photos and, like, you know, the, the, the career aspect, I definitely reached a point with my photography prior to the pandemic where I felt like, oh, I've done most of the things I want to do in terms of, like, longevity and, like, how long I've been doing it. So I really found myself in this weird place where, yeah, I definitely still love doing it, but I, like, in my mind was, like, I could do it less. So in a funny way, there's there hasn't been much of an itch yet because I know when shows come back, I will be doing it again. So it's not a matter of, like, if, it's more of, like, a matter of when. So it's almost like because I spent 10-plus years doing it, I almost feel like I've gotten my fill in a way. But I say that, and then the flip side is I massively miss the atmosphere because, like, for me personally, like, there's just a way my body moves within a music venue that I just don't experience anywhere else. Like, just the way I walk around and the way I interact with people and just, like, the way you strike up conversation with strangers. So, yeah, that I miss a lot because it is... That was such a big part of my life. And having a year without it has been strange. Because, I mean, this is... 2020 is definitely the most domestic year I've ever had. Which, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed it. It's been nice being home. But it's also reminded me that, like... Yeah, when I think about how I built my life up, it's like I've never, I've never had a, I never had an image of my life where I would be someone who's home all the time. So there, there was a bit of adjustment in that for me too. Like just like, like knowing that there wasn't places to go. It's just, yeah, it's, it's such a, and it's not unique to in the grand scheme, but for me, it was just like a big thing to adjust to. Yeah, I, I mean, I hit that wall too, where like. Like, my camera is in my closet. Like, I'm like, am I ever going to pick this up again? Like, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird because, of course, like, you have the podcast, which everybody should go check out. Um, and then I became more of, even more of a writer in quarantine. Like, I doubled down on TV and movie journalism, which was a saving grace for me. And then, you know, I began to write poetry again it was kind of an outlet that i've rediscovered and re like kindled a love for because like with movies and television even though i didn't have the theater even though i didn't have you know like actually talking to people face to face with it it was a way to connect with people you know so like whenever movies got released you know because it was either digital or you were trying to risk your life to go see Tenet somewhere, wherever it was opened. Uh, obviously, there's like a social media component of community now that everybody kind of jumped into and like leaned on because obviously like you're like, all right, if I go see this person in quarantine, then, you know, I can get sick. They can get sick. There's always that fear there. Uh so, I want to segue into that because you mentioned girlfriend. <laughs> so, I wanted to talk a little bit about relationships. Obviously, I, I'm single in quarantine. You have a relationship. How how was that a year ago to now? Have you guys learned more about each other? Um, has it been tough? Like, I've talked to friends where, like, you know, it's been kind of either or and you have to kind of, like, figure out how to be together but also have to have space too like it's interesting it's been 
insanely surprising because like it's been very painless and positive but i mean it's been it's there's been a lot of work in that and i think if there's anything i'm grateful for is that it's reminded me in a very stark way how all relationships are you know they it's work it takes work and you know i wouldn't say that prior to the pandemic that we weren't like you know working on our relationship or like not proactively doing so but i think by just the avenues of like everyday life pre-covid like you know jobs and keeping up with friends is that like it's not that your relationship falls on the wayside but it's like you don't you know you naturally don't check in as much or you don't naturally like you know you're not being as proactive as you can be in a general basis i think a lot of people can relate to that so i think what was what has been positive but also challenging is that you know being in a relationship and living together and you know throughout the pandemic is like it forces you to be very proactive in your relationship on a daily basis in a way that's very like I I don't know if this is an individual thing with me, but like I guess I've just I've never pictured myself being in that way. Like when I think about like the way we've had to live in this pandemic, like you know I think I could distill it to like there's not there's never a situation where I want to be around someone twenty four seven. Like there's no there's no situation. Yeah, like I mean this is. There's no situation in life where I feel that way. But however, considering that's the reality that we've had in the course of this pandemic, it's one of those things where you're faced with what your ideal situation would be and what the realities are, and you have to marry the two. So even though that's something I've always felt, it's kind of like, well, hey, Ken, fuck you. That doesn't matter. Now you have to deal with like what the reality is. And in that context, we've done really well. Like We've really... Yeah, I, I've... I feel so grateful for it because I know what I was like when I was single just a couple years ago. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a different person now, but like knowing how I was a couple years ago, Kim I probably can was a savage. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, it's just like, I wouldn't, I, I don't think I would have taken the pandemic as seriously as I have been with having a partner and living with them. So in that sense, I'm super grateful because it's like, I mean, right off the bat, I was thinking about her health more than mine. And then that naturally made me consider my own health. And over the course of that, it's just made me think like, you know, since we're cohabiting, you know, I think this pandemic's really helped a lot of people realize that like your living situation has to be the most positive thing in the world to get through things like this. And I think collectively, we both have done a really great job at that. So that's been really surprising because it's like, you know, if you would have told me, that's the thing that's wild to me, man. If you would have told me like a year ago, pre-pandemic, this is what the year would have been like. I would have thought like, oh, fuck, it's going to be awful. We'd be fighting all the time and like it's going to be terrible. But then to actually live it and it, it hasn't been that. So that's been really surprising. We've been friends for a long time. Um, I've been kind of like in and out of relationships during that time. Uh, you you know, it's like we, we talk about it a lot. Um, I've been I've been single during this whole time. And usually like I'm kind of a introvert extrovert. I could be extroverted when I need to be, but I could also be introverted when, when I need to be. Like sometimes, like I love meeting people, but there is times where I need to just recharge. And uh, uh, to go off of that, like I, my friend, a friend of mine was like, why don't you just go on Hinge? And I'm like, dude, I don't like dating apps. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I've never been like a dating app person. Uh I've always preferred to kind of, like, meet people and just kind of go from there. And I joined it 
last summer. And it's been kind of crazy. Because, like, when I think about dating apps, I think about that Black Mirror episode. Where, <laughs> like, um, uh, I forgot what it's called. But, like, when everybody kind of rates somebody and you have a score. and then, Oh, like, the Bryce Dallas Howard episode, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you have a score and everybody kind of looks at everything surface level. And then you have to kind of be nice to people that you would normally be nice to. Because you got to get above a four so you can like rent a car and some shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I always looked at it as very shallow. Like, Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm like, Oh, I have to, I have to fill out these prompts. I have to like pick you know, five pictures. In, not to cut you off, but in slight defense of dating apps, I think what's really interesting with their place in our society is that if you just think about how people interact, especially adults, it's kind of like those dating apps, I feel like, have more accelerated and like heightened typical things about how people interact rather than add anything new. So like in the context of what you just described about the rating and, you know, kind of getting on people's good side and like, you know, that whole dynamic. I mean, if you take dating apps out of our society, all of that still exists in a yeah. weird way. Yeah, it just happens face to face. But I will say um, I've had a lot of great interactions on Hinge. I've met a lot of amazing women on Hinge. But you also have to context that is that we're still in a pandemic. So yeah. like everybody's still in this weird mental place where it's like, I like you, um, but there's this virus outside. So I don't know if you test or not test. We can meet up and we could possibly get sick. So it's very like um, walking dead-ish where like, it's well, like, oh, I met people. I meet you, but like, I don't know. Like, am I going to turn into a zombie afterwards? Like, I've been, I've been on a couple socially distanced dates. And coming off a year where like, see, it felt like we couldn't see a lot of people. And then, like, going to a place where you're, like, in a front, in front of somebody else, it feels very weird. It feels like you have to relearn and get off this awkwardness of, like, all right, like, I know that this thing is still out there. I haven't really seen people. It's almost like you have to relearn dating and being a person in front of person, about people again. It's yeah. been a very interesting experience with that. Well, tell me this, because uh, we're a little bit older, you and I, and I wonder, like, because, you know, if you take the context of the pandemic out of dating, the older you get, dating does become a lot more of a thing of, like, where your expectations and your desires for life going, you know, into the future have to be considered, where it's like, you know, if you meet somebody of a certain age, they're going to ask you what you want your future to be, and it, a lot of people want your desires to correlate with theirs and be in alignment. So in that context, do you feel like that's been heightened in the context of the pandemic? Meaning like when you've met women, has it been like, are they trying to see if your goals and desires are more aligned with theirs in a more almost aggressive or pointed way? Well, I have to say that I feel I, I had a lot of success on the app because I'm not a scumbag. Uh, I, I, I was very shocked because I had talked to, there was a, a a lady I was talking to, and we were talking to for a while, and she had gotten off the app because she's like, this this app is just ridiculous. And I'm ridiculous like, more or less. because like dudes come like kamikaze in with like let's 
have sex and like, you know what I mean? like, like let's hook up and like you know what I mean like and like cheesy like one I'm laughing because I'm imagining a dude doing in that exact voice he's like hey what's up hey what's up I'm Bill uh let's just hook up. you need a quarantine buddy you know what I mean like or like you know like uh the whole uh you know I'm trying to think of like a quick pickup line, you know, like the the 10 IC pickup line. Like I've seen a couple of those and like a, a lot of women are like, fuck this shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're not, I, I don't. So that's why I feel with dating now because you can't see each other as much. Like I've had like socially distanced dates and then virtual dates where a lot of convert you, you gotta have conversation. You have to have substance yeah. to you because it can't just be like, Hey, Hey, what you doing? Oh, you know, I'm watching TV. What are you doing? You know, just stuff. Like, it's just like the women that I've talked to are very, like, goal-oriented. They know what they want. They're strong. They're like, dude, like, don't waste, you know what I mean? Like, let's let's interact and then let, like, let's see what works. Because, like you said, like, we're, we are a little bit older. So the whole, like, let's let's see... Like they're not playing around, so you have to come with your you have to come with your A game, but you also have to be yourself. Like everybody, everybody kind of like feels that all right. I have to be like this exaggerated part, you know. So myself, I'm like, dude, just be yourself. Talk. Sometimes it's not going to work out. Sometimes it is, and just I feel like COVID has really heightened that. Who has the personalities and who doesn't? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I have been lucky in my life and blessed in my life where I have. A very good foundation of success in my career and everything that I've done. Like I'm very, thankfully, very financially stable. I've achieved a lot. But one thing that the pandemic has taught me is that's what I do, but that's not who I am. The reason why my writing is so good and that I'm able to do like these creative projects and put my all into them is because I'm a good person. I worked one of the thing that I worked on, and this is a very soul Pixar thing. <laughs> uh, I feel like everybody had an epiphany after we watched that film. But one of the things that I really worked on during this whole pandemic is to be a better person, to be a to like when I talk to friends to listen more and to learn more about them. And to be more empathetic, because as men, like we're always taught like, eh, well, you know, like talking about your feelings is not manly and being empathetic and caring about people like who does that like you have to be a dude and you know what i mean like no like i think everybody especially in these times can sh- you know not only receive a little compassion but show it too i think dating oddly like oddly enough dating has been better for me <laughs> like during the pandemic because like it's like you know, I think of myself as, like, a handsome fella, but also very, like, emotionally intelligent now that I've worked on things that I had to. Because, like, with lockdown, you're with yourself. It's ultimately the things that you've been trying to escape from through, like, going out and going out with friends. You can't escape from now. So you have to work with them. Either you have to go to therapy and things like that or... You know, the things that I worked on, thankfully, has made me a better dater or boyfriend, husband down the road. So, like, it's been good. Like like I said, like, the first date 
that I went on was weird because like like I said like I had I hadn't been around people a lot so it's just like all right I have to relearn like let's elbow bump because I can't hug you you know what <laughs> I mean like so like it's I mean we'll see especially like post lockdown because I feel like everybody's gonna have some Stockholm syndrome yeah no I I think so I I yeah. That that I feel like that's a big given because if you just think about, I mean, we're in like going into spring, and a lot of people think there'll be concerts and festivals in like autumn time, and just like you know, I think people and you know, movie theaters. I think people they they, they really don't consider how they feel in the moment, which is something I find very strange about people generally. Where it's like I think people think about I want to go to this thing, but not think about how they're gonna actually feel physically being at this thing. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like. Like, for me, for sure, I definitely want to be at shows. I mean, before we hit the recorder, we're talking about Black Pumas. I love those guys. And they might be playing Broken Steel. And they're an incredible band, like, super talented. And I would go see them at, like, the drop of a hat. But I say that, and then I actually try to visualize myself in a crowd watching them perform. And just think about everything we've been through in the last year. It's like, I, I don't know how I'll feel in that moment. Like, I, like I, I think that might be enough to deter me from even going. Like, just the physical feeling of that. Like, are we going to, like... Are we going to be wearing masks? Are we going to be like in that's pod? a bit. I don't even think about that. Are we going to be like in pods? Like so uh, that, that's a funny thing you said the mask thing because I remember when we flew to the UK, I was like very big on like reading more about the mask, like just figuring out like what logistically makes sense. And they say that if you're like in an enclosed space of people, you don't want to wear. You want to w- uh, change your mask out, and you don't want to like wear the same mask for longer than two hours. So I was like going to the bathroom and constantly changing my mask because uh, we had like some of the disposable ones. But yeah, I mean, I didn't even think about that. But that's a good point. If we're going to concerts, we're going to wear masks because like logistically, what does that look like? Yeah, because like you got to think you got you have the openers and then the leading act. That's another eight songs. Then breakdown and then the top act. You're you're in before the headlining act is on. You're in there for at least two and a yeah. half hours. So yeah. like, is it like somebody comes over the PA system is like everybody change your mat? You know what I mean? Like and then we all kind of go into corners and like all right, cool. Yeah. Like mass change time. Are we all good? Is there going to be a vaccination requirement to even go to these? Yeah. You know, those are all good questions. I want to back up a little bit because I just realized that if someone was listening to this, they would be startled by the fact that we're talking so deep about relationships and then went into concerts out of nowhere. <laughs> so in the context of you, what you were saying about relationships i'm curious about something when you say that in regards to relationships because you did answer what i asked you but i guess what i was overarchingly trying to ask you is the matter of intention do you feel like when you go on to these dating apps and you're meeting new people it's with the direct intention to eventually find a partner okay so i've only been on one of these dating apps i like i've been on hinge and like if you look at a woman's profile it spells out like, you know what I mean? I'm not here for hookups. I'm here to find a partner and grow. And if you're to that, leave a comment or something like that. Or like, like yeah. this. That's the overarching that you see, the overarching message. I mean, like, then again, like, I don't know. Because, you know, there was somebody that I was dating for, you know, like virtual dates. And then like we went on a date, a socially distance date. For like a couple months and like now we're kind of like in a weird, weird place of like all right what do we do now because 
you know, I'm going to get vaccinated soon. I don't know what she's going to get vaccinated, you know. So Wait, you guys are still talking? Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not, in, <laughs> but like, I, I don't know. Like, it's because you think about post-quarantine where a ton of us gets vac- vaccinated. Like, people were like, oh, it's going to be like hookup central because like we all have like, but I don't know if everybody's going to be like that. I, I think that everybody's just going to be happy to be around humans. And then like the relationships that you kind of build up, friendship and loving relationships, will they might be deeper because you, you have no other choice. You have to learn about each other because you can't be around each other for the, because, you know, you, you might get sick. I don't know. Um, so to like summarize like what your intention thing, the... The women that I've talked to have, like, all have been the intention of, okay, like, I want a relationship. Like, like I said, like, I've... Yeah, well, that's how you feel. Well, no, they've told me. Like, they are very direct. Like, Well, how, how, do, how do you feel? On how, like, where I want, like, a relationship? Yeah. I approach dating as, uh, you know, very, let's see, let's learn about each other and let's see how things go. Like, I do want, I, I do want a relationship. Like, I do want... Yeah. To be, um, like, I'd rather be with somebody, but, like, I'm very now, from what I've learned, I'm not very, like, okay, it has to be this way, and, you know what I mean? Like, I I've, I've really want to, like, take things slow, learn. I, I, think we should, I, think we, I think we should explore this, because I can almost imagine there's, like, maybe a woman or two, or a non-binary folk person, <laughs> non-binary person. There's a chance someone's listening to what you just said, and there's, like, confusion from it, but okay. I, know what you, I know what you mean from a male perspective as a cis, is it cis? It's cis, right? As a cis male perspective, where when I was single and dating... I had a very similar mindset and it came from the the, the concept for me where um, I couldn't imagine the idea of seeking out a relationship because I never felt like the power of initiating a relationship was solely rested on me. Meaning that's so much tied to two individuals that for me, I never felt like, oh, because I want a relationship, I will go find one. Yeah, so... I'll, I'll just say that again. Yeah, so for me, I never looked at uh, relationships as a, as a thing that I could be the sole instigator of. So with that, I've never looked at dating as I am dating because I want a relationship. It's always been the idea that I am dating because I hope to meet someone. And if it becomes a relationship, great. If it doesn't, yes. then the dating... Yeah, if it doesn't, then that doesn't nullify the... Like, it's still good to date. I Okay, so I approached... My approach to dating is completely different than I would say about three years ago. Um, as you, you know me, like we've been, like I said, we've been fr- best friends for a long time. Like my my creative side and mo- my goals and things are very important to me. Like my, yeah. you know, journalism and photography and especially, well, especially journalism is very important to me. Like personal growth and really looking towards myself to find self-love first has been a very big thing to me during this pandemic. So to go off what your point is, that's kind of how I've approached dating where like, I want to meet, like meet somebody cool and let's see, like, let's see if we are compatible. Let's see if this does work out. And you know what? If it doesn't, then 
it 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 wasn't meant to be. Like I feel like with dudes, like, and I was talking to somebody yesterday about this. I was actually talking to a female, uh, a woman, um, one of my best friends. You you we talked like post, well pre pod this like, a lot of dudes can't take rejection well. Like they're it's like, weird. It's like well she doesn't want me. How could she not want me? And I'm like yo like. Sometimes things don't click. Sometimes you meet a person, you think it's one thing, and then like you're like, you know what? We're just not compatible. And I've had that, but I, but I've during dating during this pandemic, and I'm just like, you know what? Like I don't really internalize that. Sometimes it's not you. Sometimes it's the other person. You also have to think that like, yo, there's a lot of stress that we are enduring during this time. So like. You have to think about okay, I have to date, but I also have to like live and like no, yeah. not get sick. So I take things with no expectation now. Like I'm just like yeah. surprise me. Like maybe I could really like somebody and it grows from there. But I look from it from a very healthy standpoint as I don't own a person. I don't think that exactly. any, I don't I, I don't think that anybody should go into a relationship where like you are absolutely dependent on that person. I, yeah, I, you I, see it. go ahead. I was just gonna say you should see it as an add-on uh, to your life, not the sole thing of your life. Because I think what a lot of, because I, I think there could still be confusion on what we're saying. But I think in the context of what we're saying before about like you know not seeking out relationships, it's a it's almost a very respectful way to look at it. Because if to me, if I was to go out and say, if I was single and I was to go out and say. I'm going to find a relationship. I'm essentially taking away the urgency of the person I would be getting a relationship with. And that's not really, that doesn't make any sense because that person has to also choose to engage and to grow and like, you know, to be part of this thing. So when I think about that whole thing about, you know, dudes not taking rejection well, I think it is really weird. And I also think about those dudes because, you know, I think the great thing about male friends is we could talk really frank with each other. And when my dude friends are like that, I like to sometimes go like, Mel, maybe you suck. It's okay. You suck. Like, Jesus. Maybe you suck for that person. It's yeah, okay. exactly. Because sometimes the guys will be like, man, that girl didn't like me. That sucks. And I'm like, well, maybe she shouldn't. Well, maybe. The hell? Just, yeah, maybe. She, <laughs> like, like I'll, I'll say for an example, like to touch on real fast. Like there was, there, there was a woman that I was talking to for like a month. Like we would talk like every week. Um, but she's super busy. You know what I mean? Like, she's in a line, like, and I got super busy with, like, Sundance and, like, uh, like, movie and TV reviews just picked up. And, like, we would, like, all right, let's try to, like, carve out a time where we can kind of, like, talk and, like, catch up and stuff. And then, like, we recently came for, like, all right, like, we're, we're in a time in our lives where, like, stuff is chaotic for her. Uh, stuff is busy for me. Right now, it's just not going to work. You know what I mean? Like... But we still want to keep in touch because, like, you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're thankful that we met. And I think that's dope where you just kind of, like, come to that place where it's like, ah, oh, that kind of stinks. But, you know, I get it. And I think yeah. that everybody, especially, like, men, have you can't internalize that. You can't just be no. like, oh, man, like, I'm never going to find somebody. Or what's wrong with her? Like, dude, it happens. You could be the most good-looking, successful guy, you're gonna strike out. It's gonna happen. But, like, you just keep going on. You just take your licks, or you take your hits, licks, and then keep moving forward. And especially, like, don't, like, 
put it on women saying like, oh, you like, and then start calling them names like you led me on. I'm like, dude, like it just happens. And you have to think about things in context of what we're living in. It's it's yeah. different. Like nobody has from what I've gathered, unless like we have lived in a past life during the 19 during the Spanish flu, nobody's lived through a pandemic. So it's like, all right, maybe I'm asking a little bit too much emotionally for people and just just go with the flow, man. You know what I mean? Like I'm just I would say that like I've had great experiences with the app because, you know, like I actually listen and I try to meet people. I'm goofy. You know I'm goofy, but like <laughs> in a respectful way and give people grace to the point where like Listen, we're two individuals. We're two individuals that might like each other. And that's where the union comes in. But we still have to be whole separately. And that, and, and you can't feel threatened by that. If anything, you know, her being an individual and having her own goals and stuff like that, that should, that's better. That makes the relationship better. Because, like, you're not completely reliant on happiness in one person and that is a beautiful thing that i've learned through this entire pandemic of dating yeah i think we're very fortunate too because for the most part when i think about the people that are in my life like my friends i only really know people who are like that and who have that understanding like i only know people who aim to have fulfilling lives in isolation uh separate from their relationships as well so i think that's something that's just gonna happen more and something i would say as someone who's in a relationship, uh, if I could give a bit of advice in what you brought up uh, in that situation where you and the girl were both busy and, you know, decided that it'd be best to just kind of like slow down. That is very mature. But I would actually say the flip side to that is you do want to figure out going forward. You want to figure out in those situations how you're going to fix that before you become a couple Because if you don't and only work on it when you're a couple, it'll be a lot harder. So it's almost like navigating and prioritizing those um, like instances, like as you know, in those dating stages, it's only going to make it easier when you're actually a couple, you know? No, I that's a that's a very good point. And I think that we had the intention when we first started talking that like, okay, um, we were going to try like we did carve out specific times where we were going to talk and things like that. But life just in the past month got crazy, especially for her. Like she it's does, fair. Stuff, That's does fair. stuff with law. You know what I mean? Like I like I have South by Southwest coming up and you know what I mean? Like it just got to the point where like at least for right now it's not good. And that's fine. Like, you know what I mean? That is okay. Like to be honest and be intentional and to say like, alright, like right now, like life is too crazy for me. We don't want to waste each other's time right now. But let's keep in touch, and you'd never know. You know, it's... But tell me this. But tell me this. When you get into a relationship, and that ends up happening, like, in the relationship, do you think that might... uh, I mean, it'll be challenging, but do you feel like it might feel rough for you? Okay, so, I mean, my my relationships, like, previously, it was, like, athlete... (laughs) uh, uh, Dancer, creatives. So... I mean, I don't, that's a thing that you have to work at. Like, like you just said, like, that's a thing where like, that's why communication is so vital in relationships where you have to verbalize, like, listen, I have to do this 
all right, can we carve out a time to like be together and, and things of that nature? Because like, uh, I don't, I don't know how life is going to be on the other side of this. Like, are we going to go back to offices? I would imagine not, you know? Uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I wish we wouldn't, but knowing how just, you know, prehistoric, capitalism. uh, the thinking, yeah, capitalism is, I think, I, I think we'll mostly be going back to offices. I wish we wouldn't, but I, I see it happening. So like, I think that that is something that, first of all, as you touched on, that's something you both have to talk about in the quote unquote talking stages. Like, listen, I, I have a very busy life. The person that I am with has to understand that, but I will, but in addition to that, I will try, I will do my damnness to make this work in relation to what I do. That's where the whole, like, I'm already whole without you thing, but I choose to be with you because I like you or love you you know what i mean so like that's where it comes to be like choosing that person every day to kind of finagle your life and the life you have together and yeah I, yeah i feel like being yeah. very upfront and being very intentional uh when you guys start talking is very helpful yeah i would agree with that i i man it's it's interesting because in the context of being single during this pandemic it's something i've been curious about like what that must feel like because on one hand i am so absurdly grateful for being in a relationship going through this but it's just like i like i, I it's interesting as i feel so happy that sometimes i wonder if people who are single feel happy as well or just as happy and that's such a weird thing to say but it's like i feel like i have this level of security in having a partner that i almost wonder if um like for example i haven't felt lonely at all over the course of this and that's one of those things that i i i could like i don't take for granted because just thinking about what this has been like it's like yeah like i can't imagine what it would have been like going through this alone or at least not having someone live living with someone like i feel like it would have been really tough that's a that's a good point. I could only speak for myself. I would say that initially when the pandemic started, it was hard because I was like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like, what do I do now? Like, I can't go. It's not very smart of me to go places like New York and things like that because I could possibly get sick and pass it on to somebody. I don't know what this virus does. But I have yeah. to say that after the first two months... I loved it because I was, I like rediscovered, like I went hiking a lot. I, I yeah. like went all over places that I would never go socially distance. I worked a lot on my fitness where I could. I worked a lot on my mental. I rediscovered like the, okay, like what did I used to like before there were people? Like when I was a kid, I used to love to read. I, re I started reading a lot again. <laughs> um, I, um, in talking with my friends, I, I got a lot deeper into our relationships with each other and learned a lot of things that I normally wouldn't have learned if life didn't slow down. And, like, I untethered myself from, like, okay, I need to be with somebody. I, maybe, I, you know, maybe it would be nice, but, like, I'm like, nah, like, the, the love part comes from me. The fact that I love myself so much more now because I was forced to deal with things in the pandemic. I'm a better, I'll be a better son. I'll be a better brother. I'll be a better, you know, boyfriend, etc. Because everything or originates from within now and it radiates outward. So I would say that I know like talking to other single people, it's been tough. 
Like, they're like, oh, man, like... And that's where I kind of wanted to rope this in, where, like, how has your mental health been? Like, it, it's been... For me, it's kind of been up. There's some low points where it's like, when is this ever going to end? And then especially last year with George Floyd and the whole Black Lives Matter movement, I was very angry for a while. You know, like talking to you, I was super angry about it to the point where like a lot of my whiter friends, I was kind of like, what are you doing? Like, you could be doing more. And they're like, I'm so sorry. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and then, but it put a vigilance in to me to help people. So like, I would say like, and ask like, where are you mentally from back then, March 14th, 2020, <laughs> I had to look at the date because I'm like, days kind of molten to uh, March 14th, 2021. Where is Ken Grandpierre? It's funny. I, I, I almost hope it doesn't sound reductive, but weirdly in regards to like you know back then to now my mental health is like the best it's ever been and i attribute that a lot to uh in the past uh because i freelance and i freelanced for like a long time and i've had years in my adult life where i was like super broke had to like count every quarter and every penny and like really like like i I, i've been broke at times where i had to like you know plan meals days in advance in correlation of the money that I had. And, you know, that's, I feel like when you go through that type of thing, like when you're living in that, once you get past it and you can look backwards, you almost feel like no crisis can really affect you in a way that it's going to change the course of like your thoughts and your feelings. I mean, obviously going through a pandemic is hard and, you know, there is a mental component to it, but it's funny, man. Like I personally hate routine, but at the start of the pandemic, I knew if I wanted to keep my sanity, that's exactly what I would need to have within my week's to uh, stay, you know, just to stay on top of things and to, st- to feel like a human. So uh, you mentioned my podcast earlier. Uh, the podcast is called The New Exchange, and it's a relaunch of a previous series that I had. And right before the pandemic started, I knew I wanted to relaunch it. And because the pandemic, you know, happened the way it did, I was actually able to focus a lot more time on uh, refining the idea and working on the first season of the show way more than I would have if the pandemic didn't happen. So in a weird way, the pandemic was actually helpful for me on a professional level of just refining my idea and, you know, kind of touching upon what you brought up earlier about, you know, being single and getting to work on yourself. Even though I'm in a relationship, there is a lot of like, you know, time you spend with yourself in the day to day, even when you're working on you know, like, you know, your career work. And in the context for me and the, the podcast, being able to spend time with myself alongside with that was so beautiful and helpful because I really was able to take this idea that I had and refine it and distill it because I truly do believe the best ideas in life are the ones you could say in a sentence because that you know if you want your idea to have legs and you know uh, longevity it has you have to be able to resonate it with people you have to be able to explain to people in a very simple direct way this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it and in the context of the podcast it's all about storytelling and very much about like how everyone has a story to tell every individual and that's essentially the bedrock and the foundation of what that whole series is about so people will come and come on and listen to an episode and they're going to hear about someone who's very passionate and very skilled at what they do but essentially have that skill distilled to a story that led them there and informs their life so i'm so fat like that 
mirrors my fascination in everyday life. Like, I'm naturally a very curious person. Like, I'm always curious about why and how people do the things that they do and, you know, make the things that they do. So having this podcast in a time like this where the world is, like, so fucked up, it's actually helped me feel closer to humanity where... You know, we can't go outside and we can't be amongst each other, but I can make a podcast episode where I learn about a person and I get to share that story with other people. And yeah, it's been really, that's been a really great gift throughout this whole thing, honestly. And it's helped my mental health immensely. <laughs> we love to hear it. We love to hear it. I've, uh, I'll just say, I've always admired your interview skills and the way that you can have conversations and where you can draw genuine emotions and thought provoking things out of people. So everybody should go listen to the new exchange because, you know, I listened to those episodes and this is just stepping out of being a friend, just being another creative. Like I admire the way you do that. And I love the way that you relaunched it. And I'm proud of you, man. Like, it's just to go off that point of kind of rediscovering yourself. That's what I did with writing. Um, In March, I was in a very weird place. Like, it was like um, that year before I had did a lot of interviews, a lot of music interviews and stuff like that. That stuff that I was I was proud of. But it was like, is this is this what I really wanted to do? I just felt like. Everything was just kind of like, all right, did this, I did this. It's not very memorable. I'm not doing this with intention. And then in March, when I got to go home from, you know, like a toxic, kind of like a toxic work situation and kind of break from that, I was able to rediscover my love for writing. That's why I did the political stuff. I was like, all right, I have a lot of stuff to say politically. And that's why I started the newsletter. Um, film journalism and stuff like that. Like, I really love film. Uh, that's where, you know, I started doing a lot of more TV and film writing. I wanted to direct a movie. Um, that's in the works. It was like an abundance of ideas started to come back around because I had started healing myself again. I wasn't in a very angry, like, low mindset. And I, I would say that it became... Because, like, you know, in music journalism, there's very, there's a hierarchy to things. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you can only, you you have to do X before you can do Y. And sometimes when you do X, you can't even do Y. Nothing's really promised. But, you know, I was talking to my mom and she's like, sometimes where you start is not the way, not the place where you end up. You, maybe you were, like, I felt like I was meant to start in music journalism but that wasn't where I was supposed to end. So when I started doing political journalism and then film and TV, things just started to snowball. I started to get more inspired. That's why I feel like right now, like my writing is better than it's ever been. I'm so, my dream, my life dream was, okay, I wake up and I get to write. I get to be a journal. Like, you know what I mean? Like writing has been a pillar. You know, if you know me, I'm very passionate about writing. And the fact that I get to do that now, you know, that's, I'm like, okay, everything else can fall into place now. I get, yeah. I'm, I'm living in my dream. So everything yeah. else is just extra credit. Everything else is just like, you know, uh, the Mario mushroom where you grow bigger. <laughs> Like I, I'm, I touched the Mario star and I've been running everywhere since, but I will say that all that became because I worked on 
my mental health. I worked on being a better person first. So, like, to say, so to hear you say that, like, you're in the best place that you've mentally have, I can also say that. And I'm. it's good to hear people say that. And that's not to be insensitive to say, because a lot of people are struggling. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. a lot of people are struggling with loneliness. And I, we talked off pod where, like, I'm wondering when we all can go back into the streets how we're all going to interact with each other. There's going to be, everybody's going to have an instance of this like Stockholm syndrome of like, all right, I've been kind of like locked up for a year. I haven't, I've been trying to deal with these things. And now like this normalcy has started and I don't even know how to feel. Like I said, like I went on that like date. I was just like, oh, I have to learn how to like interact in that way again. In a, but in a different way. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. Well, you know, just piggybacking off what you said uh, there and um, about the mental health aspect, you know, I think a big reason why uh, I found myself getting in such a good place with this is like I did have a I, I realized while you were talking that I almost kind of forgot about this, but I did have a very, very low point in like mid April of last year. And the context of that was, um, you know, I very much knew that I wanted to restart the podcast. And I had it in my mind that the only way I'd be able to do it is if I was to partner with like a publication of some sort and, you know, garner interest. So there was a period where a lot of editors in like different magazines were getting laid off. And when the pandemic started, I was working on like a pitch deck that I was going to utilize to pitch the podcast as an idea and have it built up somewhere. So, I mean, this is also very selfish, the fact that I'm going to say this, but... No, we, I, work, we work in a very tough industry. Well, no, no, not the, this next part, because it's it's pretty ridiculous now that I'm thinking about it. But I was seeing all these editors getting laid off, and rather than being feeling really bad about you know them losing their jobs, I thought about it in relation to myself, thinking like, oh, I can't pitch this idea, which is like... Saying it out loud is very silly, but I mean, it's true. It's just, it's very honest. Like, that's how I felt. And I was actually in a funk for like a good, almost a whole week. Cause I, it was this thing of like, I think people might not understand. Like, so because of the nature of media, you've, you're building, you're always building relationships. But the flip side to that is that people always are phasing out of media, especially as they get older. So, if you're someone who's sticking with it in a weird way, you're almost always reintroducing yourself especially to people who are younger and that in itself isn't an issue but you can get you can find yourself in this like kind of merry-go-round of doing it to the point where you realize like I don't want to have to I don't want to have to prove myself to somebody who doesn't know who I am my resume should speak for itself and that's the weird thing about what we do it, it never feels like your resume does that even though it does that for other industries so I was in a really low point of thinking like god I have this great idea I'm really passionate about it and now I'm going to have to convince some like 22 year old why it's a good idea. And then I realized like, well, you know what? If I think about all the people I admire, like all the people I want to be like, they're not the type of people who would put themselves in that situation. So why would I? So I, I look at the podcast and, you know, I was very against doing it myself initially. I was super against it because it's, it's not it's not an easy thing to do. But I realized that if I felt as passionate about the idea as I was um, surmising in my head, then the only recourse was to do it myself. So that's how I found myself doing it by myself. And it's been a lot more fulfilling than I could have ever imagined. And, you know, your newsletter, uh, Capitalize the Bee, it's a great example of that to me as well. And I, I enjoy reading that newsletter a lot because that newsletter reminds me that in the context of what you do with writing, 
you're not waiting for people to tell you what to write about. You're writing. And in our 20s, like when we're trying to build our careers, so much of what we do is tied with the idea of allowance. Like when I was like traveling around and taking photos and trying to work with this person or that person, it was always with the idea of how can I get this group of people to let me do this? How can I let this person let me do this? Yeah. And then it got to the point where I never realized that I was doing the things that I wanted to do. So now I'm in a place now when I consider the podcast, like, yeah, it's not on like fucking um, the ringer or it's not part of like Gimlet. It's not like part of some big entity, but it exists. And if people want to listen to it, they can find it. And I can honestly say I work so hard on the podcast that by the nature of how hard I work on it, I know it's great. And that's a really great place to be like, I don't need anyone to tell me that the podcast is great. I know it's great by the work that goes into it. And I mean, I see that with your newsletter as well. I'm sure you feel the same. So yeah, it's just, it's a good place to be from a mental standpoint where you realize that what you do isn't tied to an idea of someone saying you could do it. You could just do it. And that's, it's a really good place to be. That's beautiful. Uh, That is, oh man, I'm super proud of you, man. Uh, that, uh, yeah, it's just a dude love fest. Uh, I, <laughs> I will say with that, when I initially started my journalism career, I was like, I'm going to be a music journalist for life. I've been writing about music all the time. I started a Tumblr blog, reviewing stuff. Uh, I started as a music journalist. I, I was writing about film because I always wanted to direct and I, I was always a cinephile. Um, especially with horror movies. I did not put that in my hinge profile because you don't want to scare people. You scare people away. But um, <laughs> I, you know, there was a part of me in 2019 which I just hit a wall. I was like, oh man, like I'm doing these great interviews. I'm writing all this stuff, but I don't feel any emotional attachment to them. I don't feel, it was like I did Lollapalooza twice at that point, And that was a goal. And I hit that goal. I had, like, photographed everybody I wanted to. Like, you know how much I love Dinah Shales and Trent Reznor. When I did that, it felt like I I had beat the, the final boss in the video game. I was like, done. Done. Um, but then I, after I did the last music interview of that year, I was like, you know, this, this just don't feel right. This just doesn't feel right anymore. And that's where I was like, all right, maybe I kind of pulled back from doing music like i'll do the occasional review now like i wrote about deftones album because i love deftones um or like the occasional like interview like i did with pale waves but music journalism now is kind of in my rear view now and you know what i think that is a metaphor for the pandemic where we all kind of had to sit inside and not only decouple our identities from what we do which is a huge thing and a huge theme that's going on is to realize what our purposes are and that's why like last year i wrote the most that i ever did because just to kind of go back to what you said you i I just like i'm not gonna ask for permission anymore i'm just gonna like i'm not gonna wait for the story to write itself the the ideas that i feel like Ah, damn, like, I, I really wish I would have wrote that. I'm just going to write them. And people resonated with that. And it felt so freeing that, like, I don't have to go to a Rolling Stone or a Politico to do that. I could just start, you know, I'm, you know, Substream, I'm the movie TV editor there now. And, like, I get to write about things like black film 
and do editorials that are kind of like, you know, like the show from different perspectives. And I feel so much fulfilled from writing about movie and TV and political stuff where I, it, it feels like I'm doing an impact now that like, I'm like, all right, this is home. Because like you said, like with music journalism, it feels like you do a thing to get to the thing that you want to. Yeah. But you also feel kind of used when, and that's not on like people that we've worked with and things like that. But you also feel kind of used when you don't get to the thing where you're just like, all right, if you do this, if you interview this person, we could get you access to that person. And then yeah. when that doesn't happen, you're like, the fuck? Like, I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I wanted to do that, but I wanted to get to that. Movies, yeah. like, um, I've been blessed to, like, you know, I'm, I'm a Rotten Tomatoes certified critic now, trying to get into movies. It's so much easier uh, to work with. You know what I mean? Like, it's so much, it, it's just. I don't know. It just feels like night and day. I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to music journalism the way I did. But at the same time, like, it's just growth, man. It's just how you grow. When you get older, you want different things. And, you know, you just don't stay the same. Yeah. And you shouldn't either. You always got to evolve. Yeah. Um, to kind of close this out, because this has been a super good... Uh, <laughs> very open talk which is why i wanted to start these like these quarantine talks no of course now that it seems like there's more light at the end of the tunnel the fact that like vaccinations are happening on a grander scale than they were last year i have to ask do you feel hopeful for the future do you feel like at this point what what does the future look like to ken how does ken step into this uncertain world that we're going to go into that people are saying like let's get back to normalcy but let's be honest like that normal that we knew in 2020 the first part is never coming back i it's interesting i so uh, there was um there's a is it swedish it's scandinavian i can't remember if it's swedish or finnish but um there's a talk show that i like called skevan and uh he's like an incredible like talk show host from scandinavia and I remember a couple months ago, um, he was talking to a psychiatrist about like the effects that the pandemic is going to have on people and society. And quite controversially, this uh, scientist, he like, you know, Skevin asked him essentially what you just asked me. And the scientist said, like, when you consider what a life is to a human being in the grand scheme, contextually of a life, a year or two years is so small and so meaningless. Now, if you think about it, even with that context that, yes, a life-altering event can happen in a year that changes your life dramatically. And if you consider what the pandemic is, that is almost like tenfold and magnified. But if you think about what it takes to get past certain things, it's evolving beyond that. So the only way you could evolve is if you're using remnants of what existed before. So in some ways, I don't think the way we live prior to the pandemic is going to exist in the immediate, but I do think it will eventually get back to that. Because if you just think about, you know, the way our infrastructures are built, the way we interact as people, so much of our everyday lives are built upon just things that are not like malleable, which is a really weird thing to say, because on one hand, it might be very sad and almost depressing. But on the other hand, I think it shows how robust we are as people where we can adapt one way and then go back to things that, you know, essentially, you know, it's weird, man, because I mean, this, this is it almost sounds like an aside, but it's tied to this, you know, 
take working from home, for example, uh, at the top of the pandemic, when we started working from home, it wasn't that difficult to me because for, I would say, half of my adult life prior to the pandemic, uh, my career has been me working from home with a mixture of like working at cafes and working at other places. But like I've had half of my adult life has been office jobs. Another half has been working from home. So when we started doing this, it wasn't that hard for me. There's a conversation now with a lot of people saying that they love working from home and that they hate offices. But I think what a lot of people are realizing and are going to realize going further is that the separation that they have from having a home slash an office is something that's almost built into the fabric of how we are as people where, yes, you can work from home and be effective, but do you want your work to be so close to where you live? I think it works fine for me, but I know a lot of people where it doesn't work good for. So yeah, I it's think like, it's like, can you ever turn that work switch off? Like, it, like exactly. all of a sudden, like, it's like, oh, it's seven o'clock. Like I've not, you know, I, I'm still on the clock doing stuff. Exactly. So I say that to say that I think really when we can, people are going to go back to, they're going to try to run to normalcy. I don't know if that's the smart thing to do, but I do think that in a weird way, we found, in Western society, we built these our everyday lives to serve us in a way. So I weirdly think that, yeah, I think the world is going to be more or less the way it was. But I do think there'll be learnings from this. I don't know what those learnings are. I personally hope it's that we could be more considerate and kind to each other. I mean, that sounds like almost something out of a Disney movie to me. But at least in, I mean, I'm spoiled by living in Brooklyn and like there is a sense of community here. And what I love about it is that it's not overt. It's not like um, Stepford YV or you don't, you don't feel like, (laughs) yeah, you don't, you don't feel forced to feel it. It's something that's very innate within the area. And I hope other people feel that in the areas they live in where, I mean, I, it's funny, even though I do so many podcasts and I write, I'm like a relatively private person. People probably would find that shocking, but I say that to say that, you know, in the aspect of community, I like when I don't feel forced into something. And I feel like that's what's interesting about living here, where I do feel part of a larger community, even though no one's, like, forcing me to do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, boy, I'm, like, thinking... I'm trying to think... Okay, so what... Post-pandemic, what is the first thing that you're going to do in a group setting? Oh, well, in a group setting, it'll definitely be going to, like, a dive... A shitty dive yes! bar or something. <laughs> yeah! Definitely. I love dive bars. But the other one is like going to Ireland. I love Ireland so much. And that's like the first place I'm going to go when I feel confident that things are normal. And I'm going to try to spend like a minimum of a week there. Because like, I mean, for people who have never been, Ireland to me is one of the best places in the world, essentially because the people there just make you feel so welcome. Like you can you can go to Ireland, not know anyone And within a day, feel like you've met the best friends of your entire life. And it's something that I've, like, when I consider the travels that I've done, I haven't been everywhere, obviously. But when I think of the travels that I've done, whenever I go somewhere, after a while, I do find myself thinking it just amplifies how Ireland is such a -a one-of-a-kind place. And, yeah, it's just just some of the best people you'll ever meet in your life. I echo the sentiments of going to a dive bar um, (laughs) and just, like, playing trivia or Jenga. And like just being with my friends, like it, it feels like when we all are able, like our circle of friends are just gonna go meet in the dive bar, and it's gonna feel like a reunion. Like you know, like in, yeah. you know, like at the end of superhero movies where like they uh, like beat the bad guy, and then they all meet, and they're like, "Well, that was a hell of a whoo." 
You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's how that's going to be. I think the first thing that I'm going to do is go to the Grand Canyon. I've always wanted to go. Always wanted to kind of go hike there. Uh, and, of course, hug my parents. I, I kind of, you know what I mean? Like, hug my mom. Hug my dad. Uh, I feel like everybody, there's going to be a lot of hugs given. Hopefully, <laughs> you know, post-vaccine, not, you know, I'm sure people are going to lie. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it's it's weird because it, it's, it's like, I, I echo what you're saying as, like, people are going to run. I, I think people are going to run to normalcy. So as soon as shows go back and open up, I don't care if it's, like, the worst new metal band from the 90s that show is going to sell out like limp Bizkit, yeah limp i'm not saying limp is the worst band but i'm saying if they go play webster hall right now in like may and it, it, it's going to sell out people are just going <laughs> to go to like those experiences um i'm looking forward to it it's going to be it, it's going to feel like i think we said like off of here like the snap where everybody kind of like materializes from dust and we're all like, where have I been for a year? And like, oh my God, you got older. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't seen you. Like, we all thought we were. Yeah, man. It's gonna be the trippiest thing, dude. Seriously. Yeah, like touching people. Like, are you real? Are you are you alive? <laughs> like, oh my. Feeling God. another person's sweat. You're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, like, is that uh, uh. like even like coughing now. Like when somebody coughs, like everybody looks at them. It's like it's it's. Oh my god, yeah. If you cough out in the street here in Brooklyn, people will stare at you. It's hysterical. And like it's allergies. It's allergies. It's it is <laughs> spring coming up. So Ken, I want to thank you for being the first guest on these on this pandemic talk and being kind of vulnerable about your experiences and uh let people know the good people know where they can find you. Yeah, so people could find me on Instagram and Twitter at Kenami Photo. That's K E N A M I and Photo spelt the American way. I don't know why I say that. <laughs> you know, photos for the American way, and you can catch new episodes of the New Exchange on Tuesdays. Uh, we're currently in season two. And it is one of the best podcasts in the whole world. It's pretty fucking amazing. And uh, you will absolutely love it when you listen to it. I co-sign that. Uh, Yeah. So until next time, everybody, thank you for listening to this. We're going to get some more guests on here. We're going to be vulnerable. We're going to talk about our pandemic experiences. And yeah, see you next time.